With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Man City Show is backed for the season by Ladbrooks. Welcome to the Man City Show. It's Nigel Rothman back in the chair. And without playing the free-flowing, high-scoring, delightful football we've enjoyed for much of the season, City have managed to grind out two 1-0 victories in the past week or so against West Ham and Bournemouth. And as the result, find themselves top of the league. And with just nine league games to go, those two victories were thanks to a disputed penalty and a Riyad Mahrez miskick. So to discuss that and much more, on this Shrove Tuesday, Pancake Day, I've got two committed guests in the studio and one who couldn't be asked, so he's at home with his feet up on the phone. Um, So as a welcome on this Pancake Day, perhaps which City player, past or present, would you like to cook and eat pancakes with Nick Goldstone? Hi, Nigel. Uh, I think I will go with Mario Balotelli. Balotelli? <laughs> <laughs> Is that a mixture of John Terry and, and Mario Balotelli? Yeah, I think he played... I can't remember, but he was a cousin of Mario Balotelli, I think. <laughs> why, why Mario Balotelli? Just, you know, for those listeners who couldn't quite work it out. He is a chef of some repute i'm i'm told obviously as an italian he'd be a magnificent cook mm. um may well burn the house down when he when he cooks his pancakes but i would uh, i'm sure i'd enjoy spending a pancake day with him okay and my other guest in the studio yogi baron welcome yogi your your pancake partner uh, good evening uh well i think once mario's finished making the pancake it will need tossing so I think one of the biggest tosses ever to sully the sky blue, Steve McManaman. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. And uh, sitting on his arse at home with his feet up, couldn't be asked to come in the studio, uh, welcome back two weeks on the trot to uh, my good friend Roger Reed. Yeah, do I get a bonus for appearing two weeks running? No, you don't. Um, my, my guess would be Mike Summerby and or Johnny Crossan. I, uh, the story being that uh, when I was a very young boy, my dad and I went to a Stockport County Friday night fixture and were delighted to bump into Mike Summerby and Johnny Crossan. And my dad famously offered him, offered both of them a, an Everton mint, which they had. So offering sweets, we're talking about sweets, aren't we? 
Oh, very good. Uh, and with that in mind, before we move on to less important matters, um, pancake toppings, uh, chocolate sauce, uh, raspberry jam or traditional lemon and sugar, Rog, which one would you go for? Oh, I, 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 it's funny, I've just been talking about Dutch Pancake House in Manchester, which was absolutely brilliant because it was a huge dustbin lid of a pancake with any topping you wanted on the top. And you could have savoury, you could have sweet, you could have whatever you want. You could actually have like a, a chilli con carne <laughs> topping for your first course and then a strawberry and lemon drizzle on your second course pancake. It was a wonderful place to go, the Dutch Pancake House. I do miss it. And what would, you, uh, what would your choice, your topping of choice today be, Rog, with, uh, with Johnny Crossan and Mike Summerby? I, I think it would have to be Everton Mints, wouldn't it? <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, Nick? I'm a bit of a traditionist, so I'd go sugar and lemon, but my alternate would be blueberries. We're, we're lemon, we've got to be lemon and sugar, haven't we? Um, definitely, definitely lemon and sugar. Going for it. Possibly maple syrup. Okay. We could talk a long time about this, but we, we, we mustn't. We must say that the Man City Show is back for the season by Ladbrooks. Go to, go to bet.citypodcast.net for all the latest odds and offers. Listen, two 1 0 victories in the last two games. Uh, Nick, have City gone off the boil or are teams just working out how to play against them? Oh, yeah, we've definitely gone off the boil. Um, we're pretty flat and that's understandable given where we are in the season and the fact that we came off a pretty tough cup final with ups and downs emotionally and a lot of hard work put in for that by everybody, including the fans. Um, So, yeah, you know, that game after the cup final on a Wednesday night is always going to be a tough one. Um, And it really showed. I mean, we've got a gaping hole in the middle of the pitch which is being f- not being filled very well now by KDB and David Silva, where we expect fantastic things, and at the moment they're just not happening. Um, it's understandable, but it's just not happening. Um, and we're down to not a lot of spark and just grinding things out. Well, we'll come back to the games in particular. Uh, Roger, your view, do you agree with Nick? Have we gone off the boil or actually getting too... 1-0 victories is the sign of champions. Well, I, I, I was delighted that we, we got the 2-1-0 victories. I, what I, if you remember what I said last week, I was concerned, really, because Chelsea lined up with sort of 10 men behind the, bu- the, the ball and, and this parking the bus expression that we came up with. What I actually said last week was I was really worried that teams might pick up on and try and play the way Chelsea played against us in, in the League Cup final. And, and what worried me with, with Bournemouth particularly was that they, they actually went one, one man better. Instead of a 4-5-1, they actually went for 5-5-none. <laughs> and, and, you know, it becomes impossible. Apart from anything else, as a spectacle, it becomes a redundant spectacle because when Bournemouth get possession, they've got nowhere to go with the ball. So, you know, teams lining up like that, you've got to, the challenge is to break them down. And I think credit to City, they broke down West Ham and they broke down Bournemouth. So, as you say, for me, that's a sign of champions. When you're not on your game, I agree that we're not on our game. But to win 1-0 in both games, I think, is a sign of champions. Yo-Yo, uh, <clears throat> are you disappointed with the way City have performed? Or actually, do you see this as a, as a positive thing, as Roger's indicating? Well, I think it's a positive thing that we're, we're winning. I mean, I think the two things that 
teams lining up defensively and David Silver and Kevin De Bruyne not being on song uh, are combined. So you're not getting those killer passes through the middle. So having to go down the, you know, with Sterling, Sané, whatever, and and teams can line up against that better. We've got the speed, but we're just missing those David Silva wonder passes or Kevin De Bruyne. It, ever since Kevin come back from the previous injury, he hasn't had that pass. The pass has gone. He's still got the shots. He can still do things, but he's just that incisive pass. And I think that combined with things like Bournemouth just not trying mm-hmm. uh, is the problem. But at least we're still winning. That's the that's the thing. Should, should we talk about the West Ham game then first, then briefly, Nick? And it seems a while ago now, doesn't it? In terms of uh, sort of. It's the two very sim- similar games in a way in terms of City possession, in terms of chances for City and, and, and their opposition. The West Ham and, and, and the Bournemouth game are very similar. But uh, we had a situation there where half-time did change things quite significantly, didn't it? You know, with the substitutions that were made and fresh wingers coming on who looked more interested and they just seemed far more decisive and, and, and it did kind of change the game in the second half. Yeah, I mean, I think it's just worth saying that it was great that Manuel Pellegrini got a great reception, which he deserved... Um, absolutely, and of course, Pablo Zabaleta got a, um, another great reception on on his return. Just on um, that, I mean, I was going to bring that up a bit later, but I mean, as far as Zabaleta was concerned, I don't think I can remember a ground of fifty odd thousand people all standing and giving probably a three or four minute standing ovation. I mean, I was I get emotional, you know, all the time. I say it all the time, but I genuinely had a tear in my eye to think here's a legend coming back to the club who everybody loved. It was a it was a fantastic response from the city fans. Yeah, it was lovely, lovely, um, and, and and but also Pellegrini because you know I think he's come through the period immediately post leaving, which was slightly down, uh, and he's being uh, recognised properly as, as he should be at the club, which was also really, really nice. Um, but, yeah, the, the, the change is... I, don't, I can't remember whether they were made at half-time or fairly shortly after. Yeah, I mean, once you're right. But Riyad Mahrez had possibly the worst half of the football that any City player has had in, you know, maybe eight, nine, ten years. Um, and, to be honest... Um, Kevin De Bruyne wasn't too far behind him. I mean, he was quite lucky that Mahrez played so badly because it kind of overshadowed his own performance. Um, and, and he's just not in the right timing of the game. He's, he's, he's just off KDB. And as I say, it's understandable, uh, but it, it just is what it is. And it might take him quite a long time. It might, it might be now, next year, before we, we, really, we really properly uh, get him back again. Um, but Leroy Sané... Um, also had a pretty poor game and I think he is demonstrating what happens when someone with really fabulous and immense talent isn't working hard enough because he will always come up with something spectacular like like uh, the free kick against uh, Schalke but he's not putting he's not you know putting everything into the, to uh, to games for 90 minutes to really make a difference when it when, when, when he needs to. Um, and um, Raheem Sterling and Bernardo coming on did make a big difference. You know, the, uh, Bernardo won what was a soft penalty, but it's true what they say, the harder you work, the luckier you get. Bernardo ran, ran his socks off. I think he won man of the match, didn't he, for the period of time he was on the pitch? I think so. And uh, Raheem Sterling also gave us a spark that we didn't, 
have before. Uh, Yogi, can I just ask you a couple of, just picking up a couple of things that Nick said. I mean, firstly, the body language of Leroy Sani when he was about to be substituted and just before his substitution. And it's something we've talked about before, that he doesn't seem to be maybe as committed. There seems to be some sort of attitude problem. His head goes down and... You know, in a city squad that is so together, you can kind of understand why Pep's made that decision and, and changed things up a bit. And on, and then the other issue, of course, is is the Mares situation, who will come on to obviously him scoring the winner um, in the Bournemouth game. But in that game, as Nick rightly said, it was a pretty poor performance. Do you want to pick up on those two and well, your, your thoughts? Certainly, I mean, Lewisani, he does seem to sulk. I'd rather think more about the Mares. I think I don't think Mares has had a particularly good season. I mean, I'll hold fire on him until next season because I think if you look last season Bernardo Silva didn't have a particularly good season and then he's finally into the, the swing of things but Mares, it's it, you always think he's always looking for the corner of the box top corner he's always looking, and he scored a couple of those goals for us and for, for Leicester and he, he's just not getting into the, the, the team ethic I think but you're going to give him a chance and uh, you're, not, I, you're not writing him off I'm yet I'm not writing him off because I think if you, you think Bernardo Silva last year wasn't, you know, saying he's just everything's left foot, he's not doing it. And now, now you, say, you look at the energy he's got now, and he's, yes, you, you know, he's one of the key players. I mean, you look at the energy of him and Sterling, how they keep going with it. I mean, Sterling's, I mean, he's still played a World Cup, and he's come back and he seems to play virtually every game, and he's still running. And, but, but some of you think that Sane didn't play in the World Cup, and he. And he, he, he wasn't starting the, the games to begin with. And it just seems to be a bit of a, a bit of a sulk about him. Right? Sure. Rog, um, the sulking Sane or the inconsistent Mares? Do you want to pick up on either or both of those for us, Rog? Well, yeah, on, on both issues. I, I, I think, first and foremost, I've, I've just got to mention Bernardo Silva and, and Raheem Sterling. I think we are depending on them a little bit at the moment because they're riding high in confidence and they are match winners for us almost every game. Sergio Aguero as well is right on top of his form and I think the three of them have actually been key, key players for us in the last few games. Um, I think that the one thing with, with you, you know, you look at uh, the, the, the players, there's one or two players that are perhaps a little bit lower on confidence. Uh, I've said to you, Nigel, in private that uh, Riyad Mahrez, I, I think he's a bit low on confidence I've wanted him really to score an important goal at some point, you know, a match-winning goal. Um, what he's been getting during the season has been the third or fourth or fifth in, you know, in, in a caning of, a, of a, a, an opponent. And finally, on, on Saturday, the moment came when he scored a decisive and match-winning goal, and that will do wonders for his confidence. I mean, he's got one of the best first touches I, I, I love Bernardo Silva, as you know. He's my favourite player, was last season and, and is again this season. And His first touch is just incredible. But Mares is another player whose first touch is absolutely incredible. It's always spot on. And we need to just give him a little bit of a chance and a little bit of a break to boost his confidence. And I think it will come in time. You know, he's a quality player. He's won the Premier League before. You know, let's let's just give him a bit of a chance. The, the it, thing is, the thing ironic is, for me that he, he did score the winner with a missed kick, of course. The issue is, Roger, he's not in the team for his first touch, of course. I mean, it's nice and it looks good and we do ping the ball around and hit it hard to each other and it's great when they do sort of 
bring it down with no, the first but he touch. Is, he is an outlet ball. You know, because his first touch is so good, he's he's someone that players can be confident in passing the ball to. Just gives them a little bit of leeway, a few seconds leeway, just to get themselves back in, you know, in group, grouping up and, and looking at where else the openings are. I think with Sane, you know, again, that I'm a big Sane fan and I'm... I'm just not sure what's going on. The thing with, with, with playing so wide as a winger is you can get involved in the game quite quite uh, quite a lot, or sometimes the game can pass you by on the week. And uh, I, I just hope in my, in my own mind that maybe it's been a little bit of the latter with Sane because his quality shines through for me. And I just think, it, you know, he was on fire earlier this season and it will come again with him. Nick? Yeah, Leroy Sane's got a bit of a of a tell in that when the ball gets knocked out to him early on in a game, if he's on it, it'll stick straight to his foot. And if he's not, it'll go straight past him and roll off the pitch and he'll stick his head up in the air and go, oh God, not again. And you know that he's going to have a bit of an off day. Um, and unfortunately, he's had more off days recently than not. And when he has a poor first touch once or twice fairly early in a game, you generally expect him to put his head down a bit and be a bit miserable. Um, with Mares, you know, I've got every hope and expectation that he's going to turn out to be a great player for City still. He's not had a particularly consistent run in the team at any point in time, and I think uh, you're right, Roger, that he'll uh, get a lot of confidence from the goal, however it went in. Um, but he's playing in a different club, in a different position, in a different role than he was last year. Um, and he still needs a bit of time and a bit of help just to make it all work. The, the problem now, of course, is that what we're looking at for the rest of the season is that you know we don't want to wait till uh, next year and we can't necessarily wait for KDB to come back next year and be a great player. What we, what we hoped and expected was that he'd be coming back now as a fresh player of having hardly played this year and be the guy to really sort of take us over the line um, and that looks at the moment like it might not happen but but who knows Yogi, <coughs> excuse me, Yogi can we talk about the, the, the Bournemouth game then? Mm. Uh, we'll, we'll gloss over the dodgy penalty I think because probably with that amount of possession we, we just, there was only one team who was mm. going to win that, that game against West Ham, but against Bournemouth the stats were just unbelievable, I don't think, someone said it's only the fourth time ever since stats have ever been sort of done on Premier League games that there were no shots on target from Bournemouth, I mean yeah. that, well, that well, tells you something about the dominance, it was uh, something like over 80% possession I, as well. I, I did see those stats and I saw the first time in the Premier League it happened that no team had any shots it was one all was against West Brom <laughs> um, but uh, it was, and it was unusual for Bournemouth just to give up like that. They played a different game, didn't yeah, they? To yeah, their and that's not that's not Eddie Howe's exactly. style. He just knew if he came out, he was going to get stubbed. So he just hoped hope for a nil-nil. And, and you think other sides will probably do that. And but I mean, we won, and we had the ch- we had the chance. That David Silva should have should have scored, and there was a. Yeah, but I think uh, it, it, this is the worry is is that without with David Silva and obviously Kevin De Bruyne out now, we, it, it's going to have to be have to be going wide. We don't have the option of going through the middle because we're not getting that killer pass. That the, the killer pass seems to have seems to have gone. 
we've got enough depth, haven't we, in the squad to be able to sort of ride those injuries, or, or are you concerned? Well, we haven't, we haven't. We, 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 <coughs> we, we do have on paper, but with Fernandinho injured, KDB not playing well, David Silva not playing well, um, yeah, and Leroy Sané not necessarily playing well, then it starts to sort of narrow down a little bit. But when you play a team that want to play like Bournemouth did, and to be fair, they didn't give up. They played a very, very structured, disciplined game, which they decided that they were going to do absolutely nothing but defend, and that's what they did. Um, I mean, it wasn't so much a game. It was a bit of a travesty of a game. I mean, if I was a neutral, you know, God, I help you watching that. Sure. Um, it was dire. It was dreadful, and it was horrible to watch. And I have to say, as a City fan, it was bloody horrible to watch as well. In terms of, we've talked about Bernardo and the sort of season he's had. I think someone else is coming in for high praise. Others have actually suggested maybe he's been man of the match for the last three games, and that's uh, our new um, midfielder who's converted to a fullback in Sinchenko, who's really um, made almost that left back position his, his own, hasn't he? He, um, when he started in the League Cup final, um, he did start in the League Cup final, didn't he? Um, I thought that was very telling because he, you know, that was that was him being the number one choice, um, and he has played well. He's a great passer of the ball. He's a fantastic passer of the ball, uh, and that is obviously a very very big plus in any uh, in any player, but particularly in the Pep team. Uh, for a defender, uh, and uh, you know, to be honest with you, I don't see any reason why he can't be a fullback uh, on a permanent basis. He's uh, young enough to be anything he wants to be, um, and there's really nothing stopping him from uh, making that position his own. Roger, what, what's your view? Because clearly, Mendy was the the new hope, and and has been injury prone and hasn't made the impact that maybe we all hoped he would. And Zinchenko seems to adapt it very well. People are saying that Pep doesn't need to go into the transfer market. He can just uh, use, uh, use Zinchenko. Y- your view on him, do you think he's, he's got, it, got it to make it sort of as a permanent fullback? Well, I think the reality is that he, he's obviously still a young player learning his game and he's still building up his experience. I think the great thing with having young players in the side, and the same goes for Phil Foden, is that the bottom line is they will run forever for you. So, you know, if they're on their game, they will run and run and run and they'll be there, you know, as an outlet ball for you all the time. Zinchenko, the last three games, has been absolutely on fire. I think he has been man of the match in at least two of the games and and quite deservedly. But I, I don't want to write off Mendy yet either because... I think he's been a very, very positive influence over the whole team, you know, and he's very, very popular with his teammates. So despite the fact that he's he's had to be mentally strong to get over a very serious injury last year and, and another serious injury this year, you know, we, we let, let's not forget the influence he has in the dressing room. He's, he's very, very popular with everybody. He's not right. He's not playing, <laughs> and that's what he's being paid to do. Ultimately, he might come back, though. I'm hoping that he will come back better for the experience in much the same way that Gundogan came back after a very serious injury. I mean, he's been terrific for us. He really has. And I'm hoping he is going to finally relent and sign an extension to his contract. 
Uh, there's one other person, Yogi, I want to talk about, and that's someone who's almost disappeared off the scene. There's no talk of him being injured. Um, he did a fantastic job for us last season for filling in that left-back position. He can also play in midfield. He's captain England this year, um, and he's not even getting in the squad at the moment, and that's obviously Fabian Delph. You, your thoughts on... Have you seen him? Is he, is he, no, it, it, I think he has been. in the Arndale? I, I think he has been injured, hasn't he? I mean, uh, you may well be right, I don't know. I mean, I don't, but yeah, but they've obviously yeah they're not going back to the have him in his left back. Um, I mean, with with the injuries, I think this this might be the time for him to come back or, or to play in one of those midfield well, positions. In the midfield, in, 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 perhaps, I know they've tried him in the sort of the Fernandinho position, but he, he should have the ability to to play that that role. But, but can I say about the, the fullbacks? The, the one thing I worry about all the fullbacks. Uh, Zinchenko is defending, <laughs> so Mendy, uh, you know, Zinchenko, Delph when he did it, Kyle Walker is actually being a defender, and that that's it's all very well. I mean, it's all very well saying that Zinchenko's done all this because we, we played against a side that had eighty percent possession, so he's playing as a. So you uh, question his defensive qualities? Uh, yes, still, still... I think I think he's had he's had problems. I think it was in the I mean, the Arsenal game he got away mm. with a. A couple of uh, late challenges, and I think, I think what we, so I wouldn't say he is the answer to the the left back. So you think we're potentially in, in the market then for, I, I for, for some serious for, cover for, a, for a, a proper sure. left back? Sure. Okay. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, even <coughs> if we were to go out and buy another left back, right back, whatever, they're only going to be defending five percent of the time, so you're never quite going to know whether they're any good or not, and we're going to be buying them at least as much for their attacking potential as for anything else. So you're probably not going to get much any different. Um, with Fabian Delph, you know, you can only speculate because there'll be a wall of of complete uh, com- com- complete silence from the club. You'll never know what's going on there. Mm-hmm. There was, You know, we can speculate that after he got sent off a couple of months ago, he was axed. Uh, by uh, Pep, and then he, I think he was injured for a while. Um, you know, he was at he was at Wembley. Um, he was on the pitch with the rest of the squad and the guys after the game and in a suit, hugging and kissing in his yeah in his out in the sort of the team outfit. I'm not sure it was a suit, but it was whatever the you know, team were wearing. But, he wasn't, but he's not in the he's not even getting in the squad. That's no, my point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I don't know why. Okay, I, don't know. I, th- well, I think, I, uh, but I, I mean, he certainly you would think has the potential to be a. If not a left back, then possibly a, a defensive midfield cover. I mean, you know, we brought Danilo on at Wembley um, to play that role, mm. and it could have been Delph. You would have naturally expected exactly. Delph to have to have gone in there. Well, do you know what? I've worked up an appetite here, and, and the pancakes are getting a bit cool. So I think we should take a quick break and have uh, that lemon and sugar. The Man City Show is backed for the season by Ladbrokes. Welcome back. Before we move on to talk about uh, other City matters, can I just talk about Player of the Month uh, for February? And I understand that a certain Virgil van Dijk, um, whose team I think have drawn two and won two, um, has won Player of the Month ahead of a certain Sergio Aguero, whose team has won four and a trophy, and he scored two hat-tricks against a top six sides. Uh, interesting decision. Uh, your reflections on that, Nick? Bias press or a worthy winner? 
good luck to him. <laughs> I'm absolutely delighted for him. Yeah, there's not the trophies. You're interested in the big trophies. Roger, what's your view, Roger? Is this uh, just something we shouldn't worry about and just move on? Or is there something we should read into this? I'm sorry to say I absolutely refuse to talk about Liverhampton. Um, so, yeah, Sergio Aguero, for me, should have been in the PFA Player of the Year uh, awards nominate, nominees category year after year after year, and I don't think has been. I think we have to accept, whether we like it or not, that players, press and media are biased towards a couple of clubs because of the history of those particular clubs. And City are less popular, unfortunately, at, the, at this moment in time. I hope that may change. But for me, Sergio was outstanding and should have won the award. Simple as that. Anything, anything to add, Yogi? Or is uh, it Sergio, Sergio, Sergio all the way? Sergio all the way. But you, you've got to remember that Virgil van Dijk was very brave to brave the wind. At, uh, this is true. It's uh, a good Everton. point. Because it was coming from all directions, he, that he wind. Held, he held firm. So That's a good point. Fair yeah. enough. Walk on through the wind, as they say. <laughs> um, it makes me want to wind. Uh, let's um, a couple of questions from Twitter. And, and naturally, you'd expect with kind of nine games to go, uh, people are asking, who do we see us and indeed Liverpool, uh, dropping points against. And I've kind of got the run in here. I won't necessarily read them all out. But your thoughts, um, Roger, on kind of the run in? And uh, I suppose there's two big games, technically, um, in the middle of this. I'm only looking at the league games. I'm not looking at the FA Cup or Champions League. But Spurs in the middle of April and then Stretford four days later away. And the rest, you'd like to think, are from sort of lower lower sides in the league your, your thoughts where, where yeah, potentially you, are we going to be dropping points I suppose is the question yeah you're right those, those are the two big games on paper but as we know football isn't played on paper and <laughs> they are all difficult games and uh, you know we've, we've just got to keep keep on winning as best we can and, and not let anyone else get close to us um, as you know I refuse to talk about any anyone else least of all Liverhampton and um, therefore, I, uh, I just want to focus on where we go. My worry is that, obviously, we have got one or two injuries at the moment. We need to look at how quickly we can get them back so that we've got the squad back up to full strength uh, and ready to go You know, with all the games that we've got coming uh, ahead. Uh, I said last week, if we get to the finals of, uh, of the Champions League and the FA Cup, We've now got 18 games remaining. So that's a huge number of games on top of the number of games we've already played. And uh, we need the full squad. It's as simple as that. You can't expect the same 11 players to keep going out week in, week out. So uh, I I just hope that uh, the injuries are not as serious as uh, perhaps one or two people have said they, they, they might be. And Roger doesn't want to talk about them, but I know you will, Yogi. Um, the situation is there's... It's a similar run-in because they've kind of got two big teams as well in in Chelsea and uh, Spurs, um, and the rest again are those sort of uh, lower lower ranked teams, if you like. Your, yeah. your, your thoughts on on the run-in? They're quite easy. Is it just, well, I mean, just City keep winning? Is that what it's all about? They've, I guess? they've got the yes, they've got the two games, but both of those are at home, whereas we're at Old Trafford. Uh, uh, and I also think it's how they do on against Bayern Munich. If they go out to Bayern Munich, then suddenly they've got a, a, a lot nicer running. Because assuming we go, we get past Schalke. Because mm. if we've got 
if we assuming we beat Schalke, and we've still got the FA Cup as well, of yeah, course. And, and then we'll also that, that that would be we'd have a quarter final just before Palace away, which which would then that that I think that could be a a tricky one because you can never tell with Palace. Yeah. But, but I think I think Liverpool have the slightly easier running, but it's just just got to keep grinding out the one nils. But we've but we've got the advantage now, of course, Nick. Which uh, does that? Some people said, you know, Liverpool are now in a better position, which is nonsense, of course. Uh, your thoughts on where we are in the potential running? Well, I, I think where we are now is is where we needed to be um, at this point in time because uh, their draw at Everton will, you know, will be they won't be desperately. Uh, disappointed by because it was one of the harder um, games they they had left in the season um, I think we've on at least on paper we've got uh, a, a, a an easier march and potentially an extremely difficult April and the patch that you were talking about mid-April when we play Spurs United and potentially some Champions League games and or a, you know an FA Cup game as well around that time is going to be incredibly difficult so you know, we probably might well need to be in a position then where we've got either either games in hand or points in hand by that point to just to make sure that we can make sure we're in in the running right at right at the end. Um, it's going to be attritional. It's going to be bloody horrible. A lot of it, I think. I'm not expecting great open games and loads of goals necessarily. I would expect there to be more games like West Ham and. Bournemouth than the high-scoring ones and the easy victories. But then again, when you get closer to the end, you do start occasionally playing teams who've got less to play for. And all of a sudden, you you know, th- there are games that look look harder but end up being easier. So, um, I think we all know the cup commitments might well be very hard for us. And I think that if we don't get one or more of Sane, KDB, David Silva back on form in the next few weeks, then it's going to be really, really hard. Um, but we're still in there. We're still very, very much in there. So leaving the cup competitions aside, Yogi, and uh, I ask this question of my guests periodically, and I say with nine, ga- nine games to go, it's probably a good time to ask it. Um, your thoughts on the Premier League and who's going to win it, Liverpool or City and sort of margin? Uh, I think last time you asked me, I, said, I thought Liverpool. Now I'm changing. I'm, I think City, but but it can be close. Possibly goal difference. Rog, how close is it going to be, and is it going to be City? I, I think it's going to be very close, and I, I, I wouldn't like to forecast it. I mean, it, both teams have, have been fantastic this season, haven't they? You know, it's part of the reason why the, the teams that are going to go down this year. The target for us as City fans, as you know, was always to get to 38 points so that we were safe from relegation. You don't need anything like 38, needing 38 points now because City and Liverhampton have taken so many points off uh, of all the other teams. So, um, you know, fantastic season for both of them and whoever wins it will be worthy champions. I won't ask Nick because he's, he, never, he never likes to predict anyway, although he's, he's, looking, he's looking positive here. Yeah, it's not a nice one to have to predict, but I think we carry the hopes of the nation upon our, our shoulders, and I hope that you know, <laughs> desperately hope that we manage to to pull it off again. Well, well done, Nick Goldstone. You heard it here first. Uh, 
Let's, a few, before we go, just a couple of other topics I just want to touch on um, and some news items that have just kind of hit the newsstands today. And that city's interest in, in China and India, which would make potentially sort of the eighth club in the group. Um, anybody got any thoughts on that? I think they were talking about India probably being the, the one that, they, that they're keen to get into these football-mad countries. And uh, your thoughts, Nick, on that? Those days of you know just it being City and uh, Peter Swales being the chairman and a souvenir shop the size of a postage stamp, but things move on, don't they? They do, and it's. Uh, I think that in that respect, the club and the group is very, very much um, proactive. Uh, I think they are taking steps to change the way that business works in the game. You know, you can't just be a, a, a an old history brand in the northwest of England anymore. Um, absolutely, they they should be, or or in Spain or anywhere else for that matter. They should be they should be doing exactly what they're doing. You know, they're potentially building a business for the next twenty, thirty plus years, uh, and I think it's a, a exceptionally good way for them to be to be going forward what it means for us as 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 a as a city fan you know i'm not quite sure i'm that bothered um but clearly as an as in, as investment and as global interest in the game just continues to expand almost infinitely it's got to be the right thing to do Roger, as someone who kind of worked for the club for all those years, you know, working with Bernard Holford and over two periods there, and, and you've seen a lot of changes and you've seen it from the inside. Your, your reflections on what's going on and the way football's moving and this sort of global oh, brand that they're creating? Yeah, it's fantastic, Nigel. It's just a, a completely different club to the club that I worked at in the 70s and 80s. Um, the non-playing staff when I worked there, I think, numbered about 30 people. <laughs> And that included all the ground staff, the laundry ladies and the, and, and the, the ground cleaning staff. So, you know, it's a different world altogether now and it's fantastic. Uh, can I add, by the way, that I've just come up with a, a thought for City, which is that uh, I know they came across a problem, was it, when they, they bought Melbourne and uh, they, they found out that the club colours were, were red or red and black and red and black and white, whatever it was. Uh, I've just thought of a great idea. Why, why don't they, they make the first strip red and black stripes and the second strip sky blue and white and then they've got the Man City brand all across the world wearing the colours. Yeah, I'm not sure if, whilst many of us of our generation love the black and white stripes I'm not sure you'd convince many people even when Cardiff City owner because red was red was lucky change them from blue to red didn't quite go down that well. I was going to talk about Puma actually and obviously the uh, Yogi, you're, you're again, as ever, sort of sporting your Manchester City sort of leisure wear. Mm-hmm. Um, so your thoughts on, on Nike to Puma, is that something that gets you excited or as long as we keep winning cups, you're not that bothered? As long as we keep winning cups, I'm not that bothered. <laughs> Nick? Yeah, I, just another point about um, the sort of strategy of buying clubs and expanding uh, the group internationally. It really does put into context this whole... FFP and UEFA business and what the other clubs um, have been trying to um, impose um, for you know for all, all these uh, years now with FFP. It's such an insular, and old, and reactive and backward-looking way of behaving as an organisation. Um, and you know, we're not going to get into the rights and the wrongs of if we broke any rules or if we didn't but just it's so much better a way to behave and to look ahead as a business to go and actually 
do something else strategically to expand your business across the world than waste your time making up bizarre rules around what you can and you can't do, which make no commercial sense. You could argue that, the, the issue being, of course, the rules are the rules, and whether they're well, outdated absolutely. or not, you know, and I think you, you will accept that. And uh, just before we go, Rog, I, I know you're keen and talking about sort of the game changing. Um, something that's changed that all recognition, of course, is uh, the women's game, and City have been at the forefront of that. And, Rog, I know you were keen, and it's probably an oversight on my part not to have probably given them the uh, airtime that they probably deserve. So to, to sort of finish the show for, for this week, Rog, do you want to sort of just reflect a bit on, on the women's team and their recent success? Well, it, it links in with what we've just been talking about, really, the fact that um, I think a bit like... The, one of the things I like about your podcast, Nigel, is that you, you have so many different uh, guests each week and the diversity of the show is excellent. City now are showing their own views about diversity and um, the fact that they are backing the women's team so much is is really... It gives me a wonderful feeling because I can remember 30 years ago when through the old football in the community scheme set up by Kevin Glendon, the ex-City player, um, you know, Manchester City Ladies was born and they've been celebrating this season 30 years of, uh, of the, the women's team. And again, the women's team has moved on beyond recognition from, from what it was 30 years ago. But this is progress. This is the world we live in. You know, there were volunteer coaches like... Um, Ian Lees himself, Neil Mather, John Fox, Godfrey Williams, they, they, they were voluntary coaches, you know, who, who looked after the women's team. And Neil Mather took it on to the next stage and credit to him for that. But the 30 years of history that they've got now is beyond most of the professional clubs. And it, it just embraces the whole point, which is that City are serious about engaging football across the world and uh, more power to their elbow. And they've just won some silverware. They, they uh, also congratulate the women's team now on uh, on winning the Continental <coughs> Cup. They beat beat Arsenal at uh, Bramall Lane the weekend. We won the League Cup. You know, fantastic for City, and they've got a chance of uh, further silverware. Absolutely. So uh, good luck to them towards the rest of for the rest of the season. Cheers, Rog. Thanks for that. Just before we go, then let's just talk very quickly about Watford. The first of our nine games to go. I think uh, Liverpool play Burnley um, at home this weekend, and and we entertain the mighty Watford. Um, your thoughts before we go, then, Yogi? I don't see a problem. I think um, easy City win. I think easy City win, uh, unless what would have been proves by being stuffed by Liverpool that they come and do the two banks of five but it was I think a win Nick you'd like to think it would be a fairly uh, unproblematic afternoon but it could be typical City could be Watford are one of those teams that I'm not sure have ever had a decent result against us so true let's hope they don't get one now and finally Rog your thoughts uh, look forward to uh, sitting next to you during the game as ever uh, Watford at Indeed, home at the weekend yeah, yeah looking forward to it um, Watford blow a bit hot and cold don't they so I'm, I'm hoping it's the cold Watford that turn up on uh, Saturday evening and uh, we, we get a victory as I say we, we've just got to keep piling on these victories however we get them and however difficult the opponents prove to be like uh, like Bournemouth as long as we get the win at the end of the day that's that's the main thing well, huge thanks for my three guests, to Nick Goldstone, to Yogi Barron, who made it into the studio, and to the lazy git Roger Reed at home. This is Nigel Rothband saying thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you all very soon.
The Man City Show is backed for the season by Ladbrooks. This is a Playback Media production. To listen to all our football podcasts, visit playbackmedia.co.uk. Sports Social Podcast Network. Lucky Land Casino, asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.